Welcome back to the Autoblog Podcast. I'm Greg Migliori. We have a great show for you this week. This is one of the better drivers uh, car lineups we've had in quite some time. The Maserati MC20, the 2024 Ford Mustang, and the BMW M3. We've been driving those in the last week or so, and it has been a lot of fun. We'll break down a little bit of a preview for the Tokyo Motor Show. Some news from Nissan, Daihatsu, and Subaru, which I think is worth your time. Uh, we're going to be sending a couple editors there in just a couple weeks. We'll talk about the F1 race from last weekend that uh, was pretty wild, pretty physically demanding. Um, so let's get right into it. With that, I will welcome uh, senior editor for all things electric, green, and hydrogen. I don't know. That's John Snyder. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, uh, happy to be here. And our road test editor, Zach Palmer. Yeah, hydrogen has been a, a bit of a topic in the Autoblog Slack, Slack chat. If you guys yeah. want to know what's going on behind closed doors, I know James is getting a Toyota Mirai this week, and they're That's having cool. refueling problems. So <laughs> surprise, surprise! Yeah, Shocking, surprise! Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you guys driven a hydrogen car real quick? I have. I drove. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 been a bit, but yeah, I've, I've driven. Uh, I drove the. Um, uh the nexo i drove the hyundai nexo across korea which was neat um i haven't driven the mirai though i'm i'd like to but uh i i also drove the nexo uh but i drove it in ann arbor um okay not not korea (laughs) very different (laughs) place but yeah neat experience I drove a hydrogen uh i cannot remember remember if it was a buick or a pontiac uh crossover uh this is over 10 years ago when gm was still sort of still are but they were you know working on a number of sort of road going prototypes i drove it in um somewhere in illinois suburban chicago gm used to do their like sort of group like what's going on with gm you can just drive everything it was one of those sort of like i think it was audubon uh country track country club sort of thing i may not be remembering this right but it was cool I've, I would be interested in hydrogen if it landed on my door. Yeah. I mean, if, if the infrastructure were there and if, um, you know, they were able to make, you know, uh, environment, environmentally friendly hydrogen cheaply. Um, I know it's, it's energy intensive just, just to make it and, and, uh, it's cheaper just to make it from hydrocarbon fuel, which is not as green as making it from water using renewable electricity, but someday hopefully we'll get there. It, uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of different moving pieces to say the least with that. I feel like we need to talk about this during the podcast. Before the show, we were talking about the i7 grill, and mm-hmm. I just I, I want to put it in there. I, I think it looks good. We have an i7 kind of floating amongst us, uh, the last week or so as well. Uh, maybe on a future podcast, we'll get more into it, but just real quick, I, I like it. I think it works on a flagship sedan like this. What do you guys think? Uh, I didn't mind the grill at all. Um, I wasn't particularly enamored with it, but it didn't bother yeah. me one bit. I think the the color scheme on the i7 we had was was um, pretty good. It worked. Yeah. Um, and and this had like sort of the chrome surround on the kidneys, and uh, it didn't look particularly audacious. It, it sort of blended into the overall style of the car it looks i mean it's a it's a big car it's got a big face and those big kidneys look pretty much at home on it in my in my opinion um very executive looking it's like the most executive executive sedan i've driven like maybe ever 
It, it definitely bothered me more than uh, okay. you guys. I think I just. I don't know, like the, the the whole car gives off very much like Rolls Royce quiet luxury vibes. It's very tall. It's almost like if you line it up next to some SUVs, like an EV6 or something, it's just as tall as those cars height wise. Yeah. Um, and it just felt a bit out of place. Like the rest of the car is so understated, quiet luxury, and it's like whoa, <laughs> big old big old schnoz up there. That is, uh, I don't know. I I just like my seven series to be the very understated, classy BMW and. On an M3 or M4, give me that big grill. I love it, but okay. less, less so on the 7 Series. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, maybe on an upcoming podcast, we'll break down the i7 even more. Because uh, we uh, – man, we, I can't wait to talk more about it because it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all yeah. love that car. <laughs> it's pretty – I mean, it's pretty something. Why, you want, should we just talk about it right now? Just call it audible? You yeah, know, heck instead yeah. Instead of uh, you know the roll <laughs> out to the right, we're gonna you know uh, call a draw play, run the ball up to the middle. Um, so the car I've driven the i7 before. I've not driven this one. I sat in the back of it. We had it for tech of the year, and which everybody knows that's our annual technology of the year award. So we were all hanging out this week. The car was there. We were testing the theater screen. Mm-hmm. We won't tell you guys which one. You'll have to come back and six, eight weeks, and we'll make that announcement. But that's why we had the i7. Um, and like I said, I've driven it before. But this one, uh, everybody got really fired up about. Um, why were you so fired up, John? Uh, it's just everything about it. Like, it was so impressive to sit in. Uh, your first yeah. time opening the door, and, and, and the door, like, opens for you very it smoothly. chopped my leg off, man, because <laughs> it'll close for you, too. Yeah, it would. It, it would. It would give up after you know That's taking true. a couple bites, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's like a shark, you know, just testing, you know, taking a test bite. Um, no, but once you get in uh, safely, it is it's gorgeous inside. The materials are are wonderful, um, beautiful design, crystal everywhere. Yeah. Um, at first, the crystal is a little jarring. You're like, wow, everything like the the volume roller is crystal everything's crystal <laughs> and uh and then but after a while you you just really get used to it, it sort of falls into the background until you start using the the ambient lighting and there's that strip of you know uh, faux crystal across the dash and then that, that lights up on different colors depending on the mode uh, and what you're doing and then you you remember the crystal again um but i mean the those Cloth seats are, are really nice. The, the seats themselves are very comfortable. Massaging seats all around, reclining seats all around. Um, it just, even the carpet is just super luxurious. Everything about that car is just really, really nice. It's one that I, I would love to be driven around in, but it was also great to drive. Super smooth, um, super quiet, super comfortable. Uh, really ready to rotate. It, it was just, uh, you know, an all around great experience. And then, and then there's all the tech on top of all that. Um, like almost too much tech to explore. Um, you'd have to, you know, own the car for a month before you could dive into all the different things this car can do. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, got good range out of it. Um, you know, seeing good efficiency, uh, just, excellent experience all around kids loved it you know great yeah 
I'm I'm similarly obsessed with this thing, John. Like I I driven the the EQS like a few months before it, and I was like, wow, this this EQS is really good. I love it. Like this would be like my luxury sedan EV of choice. And then I hopped in the BMW i7, which is the same one that we have now, and I uh, I quickly forgot about the EQS. Um, everything about the BMW is just better, uh, from the interior design to the tech. Uh, to the materials, to the exterior design, uh, it being fun to drive, it being more more comfortable to drive, the driver assistance systems, uh, just just even like the, the the inputs and what like like the Mercedes braking is just annoying, whereas the BMWs just works. You know, you can do yeah. you can do one pedal, or it can be natural with your actual foot. The thing is like legitimately fun to drive. Um, it makes good noises uh, like the Hans Zimmer noises a lot of yeah a lot of the Mercedes ones are less to my liking I guess um but man that every single thing about this this car I loved um my headline for my road test was exceeds expectations and then some because like man I mean you always expect that a 7 series all right there's there's a new one it's going to be good but I did not expect it to be this good and for BMW to get it this right on their first try at like a fully electric executive luxury sedan because it is like there's hardly anything that i would change it's it's that that good so except for the grill except, except for the grill <laughs> yeah and you know what i would i would look past it and i would i would buy it anyways um because like the the actual design of a car is not is not something that i would grenade it over and say no um, and the audio so in it was really good oh, too. Yeah. The 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 3D audio, the the 4D, you know, where it's got booming in you know, the some seat. vibration in the seats, um, and you can really dial up the intensity on that. So I would I would I went out there at night after everyone was in bed, you know, I was just trying to avoid cleaning the dishes. So I went out. I was like, hey, I've got this car in my driveway. I got I should probably you know spend some time with it. I would just go out there and sit in it and listen to music and like watch music videos on that screen. Um, and it's just fantastic at night, especially it's just, uh, yeah, the ambiance is really something it's, it's, I, it's a living room. It's a little living room on wheels. It's really nice. The cashmere and leather really, really brings that living room on, on <laughs> wheels thing home. It's like, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's like, a, I don't know if I want to say mid-century modern, but it is, it is so decked out and really, really there's nice a touch design. of that with that. Like, plush carpet and yeah. stuff like that yeah there's there's a little bit of that yeah oh yeah <laughs> we're doing this thing called trunk or treat which is where you yeah. essentially open your trunk and you know the kids come by and grab candy and it's like essentially it's like a mini halloween like in a destination if you have kids like john you do it's yep. they're always through october it seems like so i'm thinking i should take the i7 to that and i'll let the rest of the family can pass out the candy and I could just sit in the back. Maybe I'll stream <laughs> something on that TV uh, or, you know, that screen. Um, that could be good. You know, we'll stay if, warm. It's going to be kind of cold this weekend, I think. So if you could figure out a way when you, when you, when you turn on that rear, rear seat screen, um, the blinders, the, the all go up mm. um, okay. you, in the back. You, you can put them down individually though. 
you can oh, can you yeah, yeah yeah so so that you could put like on like some sort of like casper the friendly ghost or something oh, there we go. oh that's a good idea yeah. that's a really good idea open okay. the doors get the music and sounds coming yeah. out from, from yeah. the stereo system it would sound yeah. amazing okay. <laughs> super spooky i like it yeah i mean you have to find an hdmi cord but i i've already done the setup uh which we did for tech of the year yeah so um you guys are giving me some good ideas. I, I think I'm going to win this Halloween adventure weekend. <laughs> yeah. I think this is good. Uh, I, when I drove it, uh, geez, I think this was earlier this year. I, I really liked it too. I, I've always liked the driving dynamics of most 7 Series. I took one on the track. Uh, this is a while ago at Monticello, um, kind of like the Catskills. Yeah. Um, and it was track. a fun car to drive on the track, you know? So I've always kind of had that mindset with the i7. So, yeah, the, the, the rear wheel series, steering, I should say, the, the rear wheel steering on this is is really good too. It's mm -hmm. really helpful. You know, this helps you park this boat mm -hmm. in some of the smaller spots in the parking lots. Makes it really maneuverable. Rear um, wheel steering is like the Easter egg of driving dynamics of the last maybe so three crazy. four years yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just keep making bigger SUVs, mm -hmm. and and we and we throw the great rear axle steering on it. And, Boom! Like the the weirdest ones have been like the EQE and like EQE SUV mm -hmm. with those because they'll give you ten degrees of rear axle steering and it makes the mm -hmm. car feel like a Honda Fit with yeah. with with its turning radius. It's it's really mind blowing because it's like a smallish car that has more rear axle steering than anything else out there. It's it's a really funky experience. It's a quality of life improvement just for you know living with it, navigating parking lots and and you know parking spaces and. Um, but also, it just really does number on the on the drive. It makes for really smooth lane changes at high speed, and then you're just really shocked when you when you dial in a lot of steering angle, yeah. and the thing just rotates around you. It's just it feels kind of eerie at first. It takes a little while to get used to it, but uh, every time you do it, you, you you feel good about it. It's it's a good good kind of you know it takes a while to get used to. The Mercedes one is good. The, I mean, obviously, what I'm about to say is stating, again, the obvious, but the Rolls-Royce four-wheel steering is outstanding. I mean, <laughs> as you would expect, but I mean, when I was driving the Cullen in last year, you know, it's a very expensive uh, vehicle. There's some blind spots. It's huge. You know, it's it's very easy to maybe get a little kind of like get your nerves up, right? That thing, you're, I'm like, after like, 10 minutes of driving and I'm like one handing, changing the radio, trying to figure out how I can make the starry night sky thing uh, even brighter. It's, it really adds confidence because you know, you could turn it like maybe not quite like a Honda fit, but it's not like say, Oh, Hey, I've got to dock the suburban here in this like, you know, tight parking space. Um, it's good technology. I've, I've been excited to see it sort of becoming more and more common. Because it's really good for the driver. It is, yeah, yeah. So, I'm glad to see it proliferate, and I hope, I hope, you know, it, it's something that can trickle down. In you know, once you know they figure out you know scale uh, of production, they can you know trickle it down into more affordable vehicles. Because it's something everyone should yeah. get to drive. It's it really is a quality of life thing. So we should probably talk about uh, the Maserati MC20. That was kind of our headliner, and we've <laughs> gone a little bit off the rails here for over the lead a little minutes. bit. <laughs> speaking, the lead. speaking of quality of life, I think your life would be good with one of these. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a car. Um, it's, I think it's rare that all three of us get to test something like this within you know, a relatively short period of time. I mean, it 
really checked all the boxes. You know, it it looked amazing. It had the butterfly doors. It was bright red. Uh, it has there was an Italian sounding name in there for the red. Uh, you know, as you'd expect, uh, rear uh, the engine's right behind you, mid-engine car. Um, it's been a minute since I've driven one of these, so it was really it was really something. Um, Zach, why don't we start with you? What do you think of this thing? Yeah, man, I was I was so excited to get behind the wheel of this. Um, I have really never uh, driven any Maseratis that have impressed me like a great deal. Drove okay. the Levante, you know, good SUV, not great SUV. Um, drove the Quattroporte, uh, also like a fine sedan, but honestly, it was more disappointing than it was good. Um, and this, you know, this thing sort of represents like the rebirth of Maserati in the modern age without Ferrari, you know, so it's their own engine. It's the Natuno V6 and it's a supercar. Like it's a real, real supercar. So very, very excited to get behind the wheel. And I think that it delivered on my very high expectations um, in, in short. That engine, it, it really, really is something special. Um, you know, if, if you were sad that Maserati was going away from Ferrari engines or anything like that, worried that, Which I oh, was. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. like a valid thing to be sad about, right? Because like, oh, like, what's the pinnacle of, of engines in the world? Well, Ferrari, of course. Well, turns out Maserati can make a pretty darn good one, too, because this Natuno V6 makes all of the right noises. It revs out to 8,000 RPM, uh, 621 horsepower out of just a little 3-liter V6. It's a monster of an engine, and you know it, it accelerates like you'd expect a supercar to accelerate. Um, so, love that. Uh, and, you know, it, it passes all of the supercar tests, the entire world stares in astonishment at the design. I stared in astonishment at the design in, in my driveway the whole time. Um, the, the interior, um, might, I don't know, just the lacking of, of a feature here and there was, was a little disappointing. Like I wish because it's a Maserati, you know, you expect it to be this more of a luxurious supercar than something bare bones like a McLaren. Um, I, I would have loved if it had something like cooled seats or just just a few you know things here and there to make it more luxurious um, it felt more like an alfa romeo interior than something that i may might have expected from from a maserati uh, which is fine if you know you want that pure like supercar experience it just it, it felt like less less maserati more more alfa romeo in in that sense um, but it is still that that you know I I wouldn't go so far as to call it like the Acura NSX of daily driver supercars. That that, that car is still um, like the the most recent NSX is still more daily drivable, more friendly on on a daily basis, quieter, easier to see out of, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but the Maserati this, at least, this has a cup holder. At least. It does. It does have a cup holder. Um, <laughs> But like as as far as like splitting the difference between something like an NSX and like a 720s. I think that this this does a very very good job, and that the ride is like sublime. It is so very comfy. Yeah. You can you can really quiet the engine and cabin down, and you know it it has that that, that duality that you can you can drive it like a supercar and also drive it around town and not feel like you're getting beat up. So, but I'm 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 curious to hear what what, what you guys have to think about it too. <laughs> well, when I when I came to pick it up from your house, I I I think I said to you like. This might be an actually uh, an actually fun Maserati to drive. 
Yeah. Yeah. The last few I've driven have been uh, ho hum. Um, and it's a, it is exactly that. Zach, like you said, it, it's a re, it's a rebirth for the brand. It's yeah. <laughs> they're redefining themselves um, with this car, and they they've done a stunning job. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautiful mm-hmm. um, all around. It's just really you know you want to walk around and look at all the pieces. I mean, granted, this has um, that ten thousand dollar paint job. The uh, let's see, it's Rosso Vincente. That was the uh, Italian Vincente. name I was looking for. There yeah. we go. Um, you know, five thousand dollar uh carbon fiber engine cover, uh four thousand dollar black roof. <laughs> um, uh, don't forget the thirty five thousand dollar exterior carbon package. <laughs> yes, thirty five grand. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yes, I think even if you took a lot of that stuff away, it would still be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very lithe. Uh, you know, it's got that, you know, mono wiper that you know, just really makes it feel like like something super special, something really different um, derived from, you know, a race car. Mm-hmm. And um, and it feels like it, too, when you're driving it. It is <laughs> it rips, man. It goes. I mean, it does the zero to 60 less than three seconds. Yeah. Um, and it's like so low to the ground. Those carbon ceramic brakes take a just a little bit of a moment to like warm up and get that good pedal feel going. Um, and that sound from that V6 coming in right behind you, it sounds like it sounds kind of old school. It sounds like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound like, uh, like an overly, uh, engineered to death sort of thing. It's, it, it there's, there's sort of a rawness to it, at least to the sound. And, and it's a, it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, really, really fun to drive. Um, definitely benefits from that, uh, LSD, um, which is a $2,300 option. Um, the interior, yeah, I noticed it, it is, there isn't a lot going on there. There's, you know, that one little screen, um, uh, and then that's, that's about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's comfortable for the most part. Your the wheel well, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the foot well is a little cramped. Uh, I kept finding I was pulling my left leg like back toward me, um, because where I felt like there should be a dead pedal, the dead pedal was to the right of that, and there was you know the, the part of the tub just where I wanted to set my foot, so um, but you know, I made an adjustment. <laughs> sort of a little first world problem to have to deal with. Um, but I, I could make myself comfortable in there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then I drove it, uh, and then it rained Oh no! <laughs> and, uh, and I had to go get my flu shot and I was driving it in the rain and that felt a little sketchy. I slowed things way down. Um, cause this thing, man, just, you know, on those, those tires, it just wanted yeah. to, to float away. Uh, but you know, you got to get comfortable with, um, the attention you're going to get from it too. Um, every, it just turns heads everywhere you go. Um, yeah, people were almost like running off the road or, or hitting stuff cause they were looking, mm-hmm. you know, the rubbernecking to, to check out the car. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't blame them. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I think they did a good job of capturing what like an Italian, 
supercar should be in like a non-Ferrari because yeah. like Ferrari has its thing. What the hell is Maserati's supercar? You know, I think you really nailed it. Uh, when you said there, John, that like Maserati needed to kind of remind people who they think they are anyway. And that's what I was writing down some notes after I drove the thing. And I was like, about damn time. Like, are you, aren't you guys <laughs> sick of like hearing about Maserati's glittering history of these titles they won in 1953, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, okay, well, everything I drive from you either has a Ferrari engine in it, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Or, and it's like a crossover or some combination of the two. And it's like, I think at some point you got to kind of live in the present and say, if you're going to try to be this like, you know, modern, you know, sports car maker, modern performance company, at some point you got to make something, you know, beyond just like these like battleship sedans and crossovers. Um, and they did. To me, this is like, when you make a halo car, a lot of times, I think we kind of roll our eyes for like, okay, do they really need this halo car? We love it because who doesn't love a super sports car in your driveway for a week and writing a review about that? But what does that really mean? You know, this thing, it's like, okay, I get it. This is what a Maserati is supposed to supposed to feel like. Uh, I was pretty, I was psyched to drive it. I was psyched and excited while driving it. To me, it captured all the emotional elements of, you know, what this is supposed to be. So. Yeah, I mean, about time, Maserati, about damn time. Yeah, I mean, we're going to start hearing Maserati getting dropped in, in rap songs again. <laughs> yeah. One thing, too, you yeah. guys mentioned the suspension, and it's it's yeah. a really interesting dynamic when you're driving in a car like that. We were so low to the ground, and, like, you know, the, the corners, the tires, like, it feels like, you know, you're almost like go-karting or something, or yeah. maybe – you know, but it wasn't abusive is what blew Not me away. Not at all. No. Yeah. I mean, if you hit something really hard, it would rattle your fillings. But most of the time, it was very, very compliant, very comfy. No, it's it's good. They they really took, I just think, the the rigidity of that, you know, fully fully carbon fiber monocoque. And, you know, they, they, they used that to their advantage, but they didn't, you know, increase the damper and springs to yeah. like an unlivable degree. Mm -hmm. uh like you might if you're searching for like every last hundredth or tenth on a racetrack this is like a supercar that you can drive around michigan roads even and like yeah. not be miserable but you still have the advantage of that super rigid platform when you do go take it on proper roads like the, the thing it, it it performs exactly how you would expect a mid-engine supercar with a fully carbon fiber monocoque too it's ridiculous <laughs> it's it's so so good <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought they did a good job, too, of, like, getting a very attractive, uh, you know, Italian design. You know, I think when, uh, some of the complaints about the NSX is it didn't feel enough like the old NSX. This car, which is going, throwing it way back to some of the great Maseratis of the 50s and 60s, you know, it had the curved fenders up front. The proportions and back kind of worked. It looked like you know, an Italian sports car. And I think it's a lot of people when they would come up to me, they would be like, is this a Ferrari? And I think a lot of that had to do with the color, but also random person on the street does not know what a Maserati super sports car is. You know, uh, one guy was actually cheering for me, these kids as I drove by, but they were cheering for them, like, we love the Lambo. And I'm like, it's not a Lamborghini. <laughs> and I mean, to me, that's again, goes back to my other point. Like, 
they got to make a car like this, make people think this is what Maserati does. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, a, it was a fun week. That's for sure. Um, you know, I can't I, wait to try the Cielo now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that, I mean, that thing just looks ridiculously good with the, you know, with the top off and, yeah. the, and the, just the speed humps and every, everything about it. It's just real, you know, Take take this and just give it a, another degree of exoticism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's already so much turbocharger noise pumped in. Just yeah. even with the windows down. Imagine the top mm-hmm. off. How yeah. <laughs> how yeah. much oh, the turbocharger man. will dominate that experience? <laughs> it's it's going to be cool. It's going to be real cool. I was looking at Facebook memories from like ten years ago, and I drove an F12 Berlinetta right around this time. And it's funny. At the time, I remember thinking that's about as good as it gets. It's awesome. But I don't know. It didn't really stick with me. And I feel like the MC20 is going to stick with me in a way that like, you know, I like the McLaren um, long tail. That was one that really stuck with me. Um, the Uracon, the Aventador, they've all kind of stuck with me. I like the Maserati better, better than I like the NSX. I think I like this better than the Lambos. I think that's where I'd put it ahead on the, you know, the two that I've driven at different points. And I do like it better than the McLarens I've driven. I drove the GT and the 675 Longtail. So um, I don't know. I think I'm putting this right near the top of my like supercars that I've driven. Where where do you guys kind of rank it? Um, let's see. I it's right, right, right about similar to the NSX okay. uh, for me. Um, I would put it above the Ferrari 488, okay. but below the 458. Okay. Yeah, I've, I, I've driven this, a Huracan, and the NSX, and that's it for, for supercars. But okay. I think I'd, I'd put this right in between the, uh, the Huracan and the NSX for me. Okay. Um, it's yeah it's it's right there the the, the hurricane i uh it's it's tough to beat a naturally aspirated v10 that's yeah. that's that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of where where i am with that one and why it is where yeah. it is the maserati is better at everything else but <laughs> that noise yeah that's true and i i would the one thing i feel pretty good about my rankings it's the one thing i'll say is i may be in a little bit of a prisoner of a moment that i am kind of pushing this right like, I'm not sure if it's number one, but I am pushing it above or right with the Lambos. Um, perhaps with time, you know, I don't know. We'll see kind of where it where it fits, if you will. Um, <laughs> and the F12, like I said, it didn't necessarily stick with me 10 years later. But, I mean, that's a 12-cylinder and it's a beautiful Ferrari. Um, it was naturally aspirated. I mean, that was pretty amazing, too. So, I don't know. Uh, why don't we shift gears over here to the M3? Uh, it's, it's been a good week in cars here at Autoblog. You know, it, it really has. This one was uh, 130, almost three thousand uh, dollars. This was the CS, so that was kind of cool. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think it. It's been a minute since I've driven any sort of M3, and I, one of the things, like when I was kind of jotting down some notes here. Two things. One is it surprised me. 
I kind of was ready to just sort of write it off as like overstyled, overwrought. Um, it's not. To me, it's like, it feels like what the M3 Canon should be in many ways. And I really, I really liked it. So again, it, again, it surprised me. And it also surprised me in that and maybe this is because I drove it back to back with the MC20. It was pretty drivable. Like I wasn't like, oh man, it's the M3. It's the, the CS. This is going to rip my head off. I've got to like, you know, really be dialed in this week. You could drive it. It's a very much a daily driver. It was on these like summer Pirelli things. Maybe they were Michelins, but it like they were basically summer sporty tires. It was very, very drivable. You know, if you're like an enthusiast, you could get this thing. And I would assume most people listening to this are, you can drive this thing. You can take it to Kroger. You can, I did. You could take it to kindergarten pickup. It's, it's as much a track monster as you want it to be. And it certainly is a track monster. But, um, you know, drive it around. It's, you know, it's not bad. And it's also like, I thought it had a lot of character too with that, uh, with the straight six. I thought that sounded good. I thought it was powerful. And yeah, I don't know. I'll, it was bright green. I don't know. <laughs> I, I drove an, oh, go ahead, Zach. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I I also drove this this the same car as you there, Greg, in the uh the crazy individual signal green from BMW. Mm -hmm. Signal which, green. I was trying yeah, to find it here. Which is like that that feels like the color that you need to get this vehicle in because mm -hmm. it's so ostentatious and so showy. Especially with uh, with all of the red accents all around mm -hmm. and the the bare carbon fiber showing through the paint on the hood mm -hmm. and all the CS stuff is like really really neat to me. Yeah, and I, honestly, like the, the the CS package is a really really good one. And to your point, like it's the more daily drivable uh, version. Like John, I think you were just about to mention the M4 CSL there. And oh no, I was gonna mentioned the m3 competition that m3. Drove, like mm. last uh, it must have been last spring or, or, or winter because i had it during a snowstorm <laughs> <laughs> um well anyways i'm gonna bring up the csl um yeah. if so like that that car you know it, it removes the rear seats uh they they take out all of the sound deadening and there's there's just it's a very very extreme example of of the m4 uh, but this is almost, this feels like the more livable version of that car in M3 form, honestly. Like you, you get the same level of aggression from the engine, the transmission, the suspension, but it feels like it adds back some of the sound deadening. You actually get like a usable uh, rear seat setup and it's just not quite as, you know, uh, extreme. So, but it, at the same time, it is more extreme than an M3 competition x drive and uh yeah it's just a really really sweet setup and bmw has has been doing such a great job and i think in not not over dampening the, like all of their m cars uh and this one included it, like it makes it livable to drive around on, on a daily basis like you, you're not dealing with like spherical bushings that are just going to absolutely punish you or anything like that but at the same time the car is as sharp as anything that you'll drive from from a performance standpoint and my god it is fast uh, yeah. the, the, i mean honestly driving this and the mc20 in the same week 
like they they're not very far apart honestly as as far as just like pure accelerative force um that that you can get going bmw says 543 horsepower uh it feels like more but that's that's sort of par for the course with bmw m stuff so did did your car have those that the carbon fiber seats with the little bumps in the middle yes yes i hate those man i hate them so much (laughs) (laughs) i like them (laughs) you liked them i liked them too it was the first time you get in it's it's a little unsettling um and they definitely stick to your rib cage too like you are secure in those seats um but i grew to like them even comfortable is not the right word but you're focused on driving you are you, you're not moving john why don't you like them <laughs> yeah. they're just not comfortable especially getting in and out um it, like maybe like not want to drive it yeah. <laughs> if i had to like take a quick trip somewhere um it's just it's i mean they're a literal pain in the ass yeah um, it, it, would, it would make me like i'd be completely happy with uh you know going for just an m3 without any uh, suffix added to it and yeah. getting more comfortable seats. Um, and then maybe like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think that I would need a more power than that <laughs> or, you know, anymore. You don't uh, like the, the yeah. 473 of just a regular M3 is more than sufficient. Like the, the 543 in this is very much overkill, but yeah. The so, over, I mean, that's, the that's where I'm at with it. Like I, I, I mean, like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of power. Uh, I'm, it's nice that it is it is a good car that you could daily drive um, if if you had the the right seats. That said, those seats do look fantastic. They look cool. Um, and gosh, they're better than the M4 CSLs uh, fixed buckets. Those were, oh my god, those were unbelievable. <laughs> like, I like injured myself. <laughs> Uh, getting in and out of those and like had literal bruises on my backside from from driving it around michigan i mean granted like it's got that uh extra lowered like 30 millimeter lower suspension and um and like a lot a lot harder suspension a lot more punishing and and but yeah those seats are just really tough like uh, it would be a great track car It'd be an awesome track car. I mm-hmm. would not want to um, live with it. So I, I suppose, like, if you want something that can sort of do both, uh, the CS might be uh, a good middle ground. You know, for between you know daily drivable and um, you know, take it to track days. Yeah, I for what it's worth, as interesting as this was to drive, and there was a lot to unpack. This isn't really how I would spend my money for my personal use case. Or just, you know, I'm just not that much of a track rat. I would, you know, you don't, you don't quite, it's a lot of car. And you just, I don't think you need quite this much car. Because an M3 is still very capable on the track, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, Extremely. I don't think you need to go this far if you don't want to. But, so, uh, let's talk about the Mustang. Uh, it arrived as part of our tech of the year. And it actually was interesting because for a lot of us, not everybody, but for a, a few of us, this is the first time we got to drive the 2024 Ford Mustang. It was for me. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, same here. Okay. Well, three, three across, three wide then. Um, there's a, to me, this, 
was interesting because again, they they did a significant refresh. They called it a new generation, not really. You know, if you're you know going by the traditional metrics we do, but it's very different. You know, especially from the interior and exterior styling. You know, different things they offered this year, different features, um, and also they're kind of standing alone among the Detroit Three in saying we're going to ride our pony car here into the sunset with like an internal combustion engine. Challenger's done like now, basically, right? And Camaro's going to be done. So this is it for for a while, as far as like you know, gasoline powered you know muscle coupe. And I came away impressed. I, you know, I think just to start with the exterior looks, they did enough to update it that I think it looks different. You know, that's not always been the case with some Mustang refreshes. Uh, I like the 10-speed automatic transmission more than I expected to. Um, I was sort of, I've like, it's been rare that I've actually driven a Mustang with an automatic transmission, but I liked it. And of course, the five liter V8. I mean, in a week where I drove an M3 and a Maserati MC20, that five liter V8, I think it's still the Coyote. Uh, it was up there as far as just an engine that sounds really good. So, yeah. Yeah, Go I mean, they, they kept all the, you know, good stuff about driving Mustang. Yeah, yeah the, the engine, that engine's the, the biggest part. It's just so smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, plays, it does play well with that, with that transmission. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, however you want to drive it, you know, it, it reacts. I had a horse growing up as a kid. It was my dad's horse. And when my dad would get on the horse, he would just be wild. But then I could get on it as a little kid, and it was just, he was just, you know, like riding a big dog. Mm. Um, the Mustang GT is a lot like that. It just, you know, depends on who's in the driver's seat. It will do whatever you ask of it, you know, whatever kind of drive you want to you wanna do in it, um, which is one of the things that makes it so lovely. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about the looks of this compared. I really like the last generation. Um, the exterior mm. and then the um the digital display across the dash um uh, it was a little bit of a, a a shock uh at first you know getting in expecting analog gauges that i'm used to um but i think um after time um i would i would come to appreciate the the digital dashboard just you could do a lot more with it you know um it's just i I, I kind of like the retro of of the analog, but um, I mean, with all the tech that's available now, and you know, it just makes sense to to um, offer the different experiences that you can through a digital display. Um, like you know, you can choose different looks for the gauges and everything, so that's cool. Um, but other than that, yeah, it it, it felt very familiar. It felt like the 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 Mustang GT I've I've known and loved. It did it did feel very familiar, honestly. I I drove it over the weekend, and just so you guys know the 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 spec of it, it had had the performance pack, it had the Magnaride, it had the active exhaust, so it had like the three things that mm-hmm. like most enthusiasts would want. The only thing it didn't have were the Recaro seats, uh, and you know it, it rips. The 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 suspension yeah. is is fantastic. Uh, I love Magnaride. I love the fact that Ford is still letting you do that. And, you know, you can throw it on this GT automatic convertible, which yeah. is like, all right, 
heck yeah. So you can have all, all the cool stuff and still have, have the top down and have an automatic. Um, I, I really do think that they improved the 10 speed from the previous gen to this one. Uh, I'm not sure that I, I noticed the extra horsepower that much. Like it is, it is more powerful than, than the previous gen. It feel it, it felt super fast before it still feels very fast now. Yeah. Um, the screens like you, John, like I, I was definitely sort of hesitant of it going in, uh, having driven it around. Like I, I drove it around a lot in that like Fox body retro gauge set with like the green light up gauges at night. And that was really cool. I thought that like the the very video game like graphics and the infotainment system were pretty neat. The only time I was a little frustrated was when I was going for the climate controls and I was using the heated seats a lot over the course of the weekend because it was so cold and they're they're not the most in, intuitive and it, the the screen lags sometimes which is which was annoying when you're trying to stab something for climate control real quickly. Um, now that said, I, I do think like the actual interior quality feels like one notch above the, the, the previous Mustang. So good on Ford for that. Um, but uh, I mean, overall, like I love the fact that Ford's still still doing this thing the way that they are doing it. I don't think that that digital interface is like a, a game changer. Like you should cancel your order for it or anything like that. Oh no. Um, and the and 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 the performance is is fantastic. It's. Sort of like you said, John. It's the it's still the Mustang we all knew and loved before, um, and I'm I'm with you too. I, I like the previous gen exterior design more. The especially like the the pre refresh was was much more my style. This this looks fine in in the front end. It's just when you get to like the sides and the rear that you start to lose me on this one. So I uh, I would love to have this in the winter with winter tires on it. And that drift brake, <laughs> I, I couldn't really take advantage of it. I, I didn't want to like tear up someone's parking lot, um, you know, behind a business where we were, you know, driving it. Um, so I, I didn't really get a chance to to use it. But man, it's sitting there just tempting you. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome, awesome in the winter. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, it's. Um... That drift mode, the the brake, it's it's right there tempting you, you know, and then it's they'll say things like, don't use it on public roads, but it's also right there. <laughs> so um yeah. I don't know. I, I think it was a good refresh. Re I think remote Ford did what they fun. had to do. Remote rev was fun. Yeah, that was one of the things remote we were testing there. Tech of the year. It uh, you can be very obnoxious inside of a parking garage or wherever you want to be. It's <laughs> it's just silly. Just walk around. I mean, I, I'm sure that people at Cars and Coffees everywhere are going to be taking advantage of the feature. And you can you can scare people pretty easily. <laughs> oh, I, I wonder hope who's. So. I wonder who's going to be the first to to copy it, if anyone. Because you know, it, it, we were talking about it, Greg and I earlier. The the Challenger seems like it would be the right car to do it on, but that's going away. I, I would bet decent money that they'll do it with the uh, the electric one. They, they you'll be able to rev the crap out of it sitting still with uh, hmm. what what do they call their uh, yeah the, the their noisemaker um, whatever I, I forget what it's called yeah, yeah. but oh, yeah. but that I, I I can almost guarantee that like gears are turning over at Stellantis on how to make that happen on on the EV so. <laughs> 
that may be a better use of this whole like remote rev technology if you think about it because as it is we're just sitting there like burning fuel on a five liter v8 <laughs> with an ev you're i mean what actually is it it's a soundtrack right so mm-hmm. um i could also see that lending to some criticism too right you know you're gonna have yeah. your ev make this fake noise like you know come on there bro i don't know i could <laughs> i could see some downsides to it from you know from some yeah, we'll have to we'll have to put that one through some focus groups for sure yeah all right well let's uh let's move over to the news uh we've got the tokyo motor show coming up in a couple of weeks john snyder is gonna go along with news editor joel stocksdale so now would probably be a good time to follow these guys on uh twitter social uh x whatever it's called all the different things and you could get their live updates from the floor of the show um starting to see some stuff coming out now the hyper urban concept from nissan and we can just kind of run through these quick hits um it's supposed to be parked uh the headline is in your home uh i don't know it kind of looks like a lexus to me just looking at it and it's pretty wild it's got a yoke steering wheel so that's also lexus like uh how do you feel about this one john um Ah, <laughs> the the looks are, are are something else. Um, maybe it, uh, John from the future would would you know think this was a little more um appealing, but it's just it's just okay. so futury, so futuristic looking that it's I don't know. But um, you know, the bigger battery pack with vehicle to grid technology is is great. Uh, that's one thing that Nissan's really um pushing and and actually doing stuff with especially in japan um so it makes sense to to show this at at the uh japan motor show um or the J- japan mobility show it's called now uh, the formerly the right. tokyo motor show um and you know the, those doors are kind of neat uh the the other uh concept that they just revealed um Sort of has the same doors that the front don't the front doors don't quite open on that angle like these do but the rear ones do there's no b pillar so it just opens up to this great big interior um the the hyper adventure car that is the second of this series of ev concepts um i'm not sure how many they're going to do i don't think they've announced um yeah how many usually usually it's three um but uh, the hyper adventure one is a little more um, obviously geared for uh, outdoors, um, you know, snow, camping trails, stuff like that. Um, that one has this neat rear seat that sort of rotates um, on its axis uh, 180 degrees. So when you open up the doors, you could sit in the rear seats, this giant sort of couch, this deep couch sort of thing. And then when you open up the lift gate, um, you can flip it so it's facing out the rear and these little steps come out of the bumper. Um, so it'd be a great place to sit and like have a cup of coffee while you're camping and warm up or, um, you know, get all your gear on for your hike or for skiing or whatnot. Um, and, that one has uh, screens across the bottom of the, you know, across the dash, you know, that sort of connect almost to the the windshield 
and those screens i believe can sort of show you a camera view of out in front of your car so it's almost like making part of the car transparent which is kind of neat um and again, the idea with, with both of these is to have an extra big battery. They haven't said exactly how big, but uh, a bigger battery so you can power your stuff, whether you're, um, you know, with the urban one, you know, power your home um, or with the adventure one, power uh, all your gear for, for camping or even, you know, <laughs> one thing Nissan mentioned was you could charge your jet skis. Uh, I, I've never driven an electric jet ski but <laughs> i know there's some in, in the works uh, but that sort of thing like you could go off the grid and, and use the car as a as a power source and, and live in comfort um while you're out there until you need to come back but i mean they're both super super wild looking um i think the the adventure concept is a little bit more palatable to me that rear end is is pretty severe um, with that sort of con concave, uh, you know, the, the rear glass sloping inward. Um, but I don't know, I, I, I'm curious to see what the next one is going to be. I, I haven't, you know, tried to predict what the theme of that one will be yet, but we've got, we've got urban, we've got adventure so far. They're both very concepty in yeah. execution in that I'm not sure how much of any of this could even feasibly be brought to production. Right. Um, that said, my favorite idea of, of, of both of them is definitely that swiveling rear seat. Seems like the ultimate uh, like drive-in movie hack. You can, mm -hmm. you can swivel that rear seat around and boom, you've got a couch. You don't have to uh, drive a pickup to the movie theater with a couch in it, which is a, which is a nice little plus. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's what they were thinking yeah. right here. Yeah, uh, that's that was the use case they were imagining. That's that's what I'm imagining. So okay. I have a feeling that's exactly what they were imagining too. That's that's yeah. <laughs> right. We've got some other kind of far out concepts from Daihatsu. We've got the uniform, which is kind of like a uh, reminds me almost like an Amazon truck. And I actually think of all the concepts, I wouldn't say this is the coolest, but it. You know, because there's like a roadster here. There's kind of like almost like a, this reminds me of like a Honda Element type thing. Uh, it's a number of different takes on the key car here. And, but I think the delivery truck, it makes the delivery truck almost look cool, almost. And then the other stuff, they're, they're going with templates that are easier to work with. Like the sports car, the little sports coupe thing looks pretty good as it is. Um, you know, I don't know. I would imagine this is something that people are going to really like when they're revealed. And it's kind of a refresher. Daihatsu's have not been sold in the U.S. since 92, but they are owned by Toyota. So, you know, you never know. I don't think Toyota's going to dip into this portfolio and start selling them here, but, um, you know, kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I think that they could win the cuteness award at the yeah. show. If, oh, yeah, for sure. If that were a thing, especially this... Daihatsu Osan Po, the open top convertible. Yeah. It just, it looks so friendly. I, I love the <laughs> fact that it has little eyes. You know, you can see the the springs yeah. and dampers uh, through through the, like the open fender style that they have going on there. And Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool thing that I yeah. almost overlooked. Yeah. I mean, and the, I mean, I, I'm normally not one for like little boxes or like uh, 
like blobs on wheels but even like the the mimo is is basically just like a little like k car boxing and it's extremely cute too like the, the way that they, that they've executed these things is is neat and intriguing and you'll have to take lots of pictures of them, John, because they. I will. They, I will. I, they look really fun. <laughs> I've I've never been like super in love with a with a teeny tiny box truck, but the but that uniform, you know, there's the van and then the the box truck, sort of thing, you know, in, in K car format, so really tiny. Uh, it's really neat. I will. <laughs> I like it. It's cute. <laughs> they look like they'd be so much more friendly on our roads than so many of the trucks that are about. <laughs> yeah. That's true. We've kind of, maybe we've, we've talked about burying the lead here. We've got a couple of sports car concepts here coming to the show. One, this is just in breaking news in our Slack channel. Um, Mazda mentioned that they're going to do some sort of Miata themed concept for the show. Ooh. And yeah, I just, you know, it's, uh, I think Joel just dropped it into Slack. Uh, they didn't say anything about it, but the display at the the show is going to be devoted to the Miata. So I think that's kind of awesome. And then this that is just some cool. sort of concept. So we know literally nothing else about this, but um, the show is already taking on a, a very newsy bent if we get some sort of Miata news. Yeah, I bet Joel's like super pumped right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's totally fired up, I think. Any any news on future Miata stuff, that's that's massive. So I, I it's been so many years of the ND. I yeah. think we're we're long overdue for Miata stuff. And it it looks like this will be a concept, so we're probably still years away from any like production intent Miata, but hey, you you love to see that that uh the is out there thinking and that they're gonna bring something to the show. I think this this show just keeps getting more interesting as 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 the days go by. Honestly, we have the yeah. Subaru teaser as well. That's uh, that's interesting. Uh, speculation is that it's like a, a an, an XT coupe successor. I think that could be certainly interesting. It's been a while since Subaru has tried to play in that segment. Um, you know, the BRZ to me is something different. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Give me something in, in that sort of uh, that could basically replace the BRZ as an electric mm -hmm. uh, sports coupe, and I am down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We only see the the uh, silhouette of this thing so far, but it, it looks it almost looks like a little UFO. It does, um, <laughs> but it, it's yeah, just like a very flat sort of. Uh, there's a little bit of curvature to it, and then like a little bubble of a of a cabin on top. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what what that that looks like in the flesh. That'll be cool. An affordable electric sports coupe sounds great because I'm down. Nothing yeah. like that exists. Nobody. Yeah, I know. I wish Honda would would do you know the the concepts that showed um, what, what was the Frankfurt show back in twenty. 18 maybe mm. um when when they did the the yeah. honda e and then the honda uh it was called like the honda sports or something like that their little their little uh electric roadster we need we need those we're ready we're gonna get you wouldn't the... have to you wouldn't have to put like that huge of a battery in it either no if you make it light 
I mean, the, yeah. we'll, we'll get the box to be here maybe in about a year or so. So that'll That'd be, be expensive, but it's yeah. a step in the right direction towards yeah. like an actual sporty electric car. Well, I wrote a totally whole column agree. saying the Camaro should come back all electric and nobody listened to me. Um, <laughs> at least they, nobody <laughs> that has, you know of that I know <laughs> of. Right. So yeah, this is going to be an awesome show. The just literally looking at the stuff that's happened today, I've gotten pretty excited. So um, yeah, man, have fun over there, John. And why don't we close oh, things uh, out with the wild F1 race? Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, like the headline from the weekend before everything went wild on Sunday was it like Max Verstappen actually won the championship. Uh, I mean, we all knew that was going to happen, but uh, there it is, Max's third world championship. And then that was in the sprint on Saturday, and then the actual race happened, which seemed to be like a, a grueling hour and a half to two hour long event for everybody. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, it, just watching it on TV, it really became apparent that like the conditions on the ground there on the track were, were brutal when Logan Sargent just was saying like, guys, I don't think I can go on. And like he lasted another five laps before he quite literally retired the car, which is like unheard of. Like I, I, I've never seen an F1 driver say like, guys, I just can't do it anymore and just come and park the car in the garage and get out. Um, it's very, very anti what, like F1 drivers are normally like, they're normally like, all right, I'm going to, they're the most competitive people in, in the world. But yeah, I mean, and it looks like Sargent was, was not alone and like just being on the absolute brink of physical exhaustion because Esteban Ocon, he, he said he threw up in his helmet 15 laps in, uh, Lance Stroll, uh, you should, you should look at the video trying to, uh, of Stroll trying to get out of the car after the race. He struggles for a whole minute stumbles over to uh looks like one of the medic cars and looks like he almost he, he tries to like check himself in to uh you know go to a hospital go see a medic or something from just pure exhaustion and i mean from from what i could tell it's just just the the heat the humidity and the the sheer toll that this this track puts on people uh the number of high g corners and just the oppressive heat of where you're racing in the middle of the desert took a toll on, on these people. And, and they, F1 drivers are, are some of the fittest athletes in the world and they, they could not do it. I mean, just watching people collapse after getting out of the car, Oscar Piastri, like, so normally in, in the cool down room after the race, like you, you see the drivers standing up and talking to each other, sitting on like this, these, these tall chairs, Oscar gets in there and he just collapses and just lays down and he, he's just on the ground. And Oh my God. Like that, that's, that's a guy that finished second in the race. And, uh, a lot of the other folks were just, they were stumbling, getting out of the car. I, it's, it's, it's created a lot of internet debate. Um, like, should we come back to the track? Is this like, do we need to change the dates to make, I mean, I don't know if it's any better in Cotter in like December or what, but it's, it's clearly, clearly very difficult, um, to be racing there right yeah, now. it says it was around 100 degrees like on the track and you know sounds like it might have been humid too um yeah maybe change change <laughs> the schedule around it sounds like a, a pretty tough i mean a, a pretty rough track already like we were talking about those high g turns you were mentioning earlier someone was like passing out 
almost during yes. during the during the race. Yeah, Stroll. I I should have mentioned that as he was like because he was the one that was struggling to get out of the car. Like he was saying, he was passing out in the high G corners, uh, like the last five to ten laps of the race, oh which God. is a safety concern if I've ever heard of one in my life. Uh, driving 200 miles per hour around insanely tight corners and passing out while you're there. Um, yeah, so that was that's that was a rough rough race to uh, to watch, and I mean, it, you really didn't like as as a viewer realize how how bad it was. Um, like there were there were like small hints. Like Fernando was saying, like I'm like 15 20 laps in, he's like, guys, it's really really hot over the radio. Like, can you do anything? Like dump some water in, in the seat at, at a pit stop. And it like, <laughs> he came in like two or three laps later. And like, as, as we're watching on TV, I'm like waiting for somebody to come out with, with a water bottle or something, but nobody came. And then Fernando went along and, you know, it just, they just had to deal with it because it's like, all right, if, if, if you stop for any amount of time, like, well, you're going to lose on track position. You don't want to do that. And yeah, it, uh, it was, it was rough. Uh, rough all around um even even max i mean he, he looked like he had just taken like a hike through the amazon rainforest during the peak of Jeez. summer after he got out of the car like every single driver looked absolutely dead so well reuters is saying that uh i'm just i'm just looking at you know, some of their recap from the from the race um they do mention that next year uh it will be held in uh, December. <laughs> so in, in, in 2021, it was held in late November. I tried to look up, uh, you know, some historical weather data on the fly to see what the temperature was then, but uh, I don't really have the time to do that right at the moment. But um, yeah, sounds like maybe they should uh, keep it <laughs> in, uh, deeper into the winter part of the season. Um, God, I that just sounds brutal. They even, they even do the races at night. I mean, I can't even imagine if they tried to do the race during the day with the sun up, how terrible oh, it would yeah. be to try to go a full race distance in that heat. But even at night, it wasn't enough to ward off the worst of it. Yeah, I don't even know what you do in that situation except move it to the to deeper in the winter or um, take it off the calendar. <laughs> Looks like the FIA is looking at it pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. They put out a statement on Monday, and I mean, we'll see. It's um, after watching some of the—I guess I wouldn't call them highlights, but some of just the you know the clips from you know the aftermath. It was like, holy cow, what what a situation. So seems like everybody was dehydrated. So uh, that's part of it, I guess. A good way we'll no way to phase this. We we're talking about having a mini fall beer segment. Uh -huh. Uh, I will just lead off with this to close out the show here. Good teaser right here. If you have a, uh, you want to get in the mailbag, you want us to spend your money, that's podcast at autoblog.com. Uh, but the beer that I've been vibing on the most this fall has been Sam Adams Oktoberfest. And I think it's because I literally haven't had any in at least a year. I think I may have just missed it like last fall. You know, it's somewhat of a shortish run. And, uh, had one last Saturday for the first time. It's early October and had another one recently at our tech of the year dinner. And it was outstanding in the bottle on draft. I mean, it's it's kind of a cliche to say that's beer for fall, but I don't know. I kind of took, I think, the better part of a year off with it. And I'm 
thrilled to be back. I got to get at least one more sixer maybe for the, you know, there's three weeks left in October. So on Sunday, we were as a family, we went to the natural history museum on campus here in Arbor to get some of Wally's stones and fossils ID'd. Um, then we just walked around campus for a while and we decided, oh, let's have dinner at Ashley's. It's a place that, you know, we always oh, yeah. used to go in college. Yes. Huge tap yeah. list. Um, just a really big beer list in general. Um, but I didn't get anything on tap. I was look at the menu and I saw a smooge on there, which I haven't had in a while. It's from Holmes Brewery in Ann Arbor. And it's um, almost like a seltzer smoothie. And it's not nearly as gross as it sounds. Um, but it's like really fruit. There's like fruit puree in it. And the one I had was uh, pina colada flavored. You know, it sounds weird and I don't know, maybe too fruity and, um, you know, chunky. But, oh man, after walking around all day, like, um, it was a nice sort of moderate temperature all day. And then, but that thing, you know, it's, it's refreshing because it's light and, and juicy, but it's also, you know, got some texture to it because there's actual fruit in it. And it was just, just the right thing. I was hungry. It, it filled up a little bit of space in my belly, um, you know, so I was able to hold out for my sandwich. Okay. Uh, really good. I highly recommend it. It sounds like a weird thing, but it is a very good thing if you can find it. Yeah, I can. I can uh, basically say the same thing about Smooge, John. They, it's it's good drink if you're into seltzers and want something like a little more upscale than like your uh, your standard. Uh, I don't know, White Claw or Truly, etc. It's 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 way better. But I've I've been drinking a couple of Griffin Claw beers as of late uh, near okay. near the old stomping grounds. I've I've had their their Rytoberfest, which is I guess Ooh. sort of similar to the uh, the Oktoberfest, but more uh, it's it's a Martin style uh, Oktoberfest, yeah. which uh, which I thought was pretty tasty. Uh, but I, I I'm doing that, and then next up on my list is Oberon Eclipse which is the new Oberon variant that is going to be brewed during the winter now. Uh, if anybody, I, I'm, if you're a regular listener, I'm, you've probably heard multiple of us speak the praises of Oberon over the years. And, uh, but it's, it's always been a summer only thing. They only brew it from like April through August. And uh, it's like Bell's most popular beer after Two Hearted. But now it's going to be all winter long. So I'm super pumped to try this little wintry variant of it and see yeah. see if it lives up to the Oberon expectations. They've been coming out with a lot of different variants on it, and I, I just haven't tried any of them. Um, so, but uh, looking forward to it. So, so it was good that one. I I haven't tried it yet. Oh, and, you have? Yeah, no. It's 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 next up in the fridge. It's it's God. it's what's coming down here in October and November definitely gonna give it a go because like oberon's like my favorite summer beer hands down so we'll okay. see if they can make it to my my winter list too <laughs> 6.3 abv this is like the the cs of the m3 if CS. you will yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's a good one <laughs> yeah, i gotta try this one this totally was not on my radar and now i am fired up this is like you know watching a hockey game in the middle of winter you need to get a little take the edge off 
this will do it for you right here. I like that they've brought like a winter, you know, themed beer for Oberon, like that variant. You know, I think that's kind of cool. They got it. I mean, I was always so sad whenever they stopped brewing the regular Oberon. It's like, well, guess I got to go a whole season without any Oberon in my fridge. And now yeah. they're making sure I can give them money this winter too. And wheat, yeah. wheat beers are great, make for great winter beers. Yeah, so exactly. Really do. Yeah. yeah, just just fool with the, the recipe a little bit and make it more of a, yeah, push a little toward the winter white style maybe and it could be good. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious to, to see what you think, Zach. Let me know. Yeah, I absolutely will. You have a fall beer? Send that to podcast at autoblog.com. Maybe we'll read a few of them on the air. There's probably some we've been missing. The Midwest and the West Coast tend to do fall beers, I think, really well. Some of the Northeast breweries, too, of course. But uh, you get some really interesting flavors this time of year. Sort of the colors, you know, come out on the trees. And that's sort of reflected in these, like, malty, weedy, you know, really robust beers that aren't quite stouts or porters. You know, it's, you know, the amber ales, that type of thing. So... Hey guys, it's been good hanging out. Um, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. All right. Podcast at autoblog.com. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get the show. Be safe out there. And we'll see you next week.